my lovelies. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Listen Closely with me, your host, Bobby. Here I talk all things true crime, paranormal, cryptozoology, conspiracy, dark history, extraterrestrial, and the unexplained phenomenon right here in the Lone Star State. If you haven't already, make sure you're following me on all my social medias to get extra little tidbits about the topics I discuss, as well as updates and special featurettes like those Missing Mondays. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All of them are at HTT Listen Closely. And finally, make sure you subscribe to me on your favorite streaming provider to be updated when new episodes are released. And if you just so happen to be listening to me on Apple Podcasts, please leave me those five stars and a review. And before I get too far in, I do want to say that if you hear some very high-pitched meowing sounds... That would be my month to two month old kittens in the background. They are very vocal and I'm trying to, you know, record and work around those meows. But unfortunately, you might still hear them in the background. If you do, I do apologize. Like always, I am recording in my home studio. So, of course, you're going to hear some bumps and meows and barks and a couple of other things. So I do apologize in advance. For this episode, we're going to be talking about the 1974 recently solved cold case of Carla Walker. Now, Carla Jan Walker was born January 31st, 1957, and she was like every typical Texas teen. You know, in her junior year of high school, she was a cheerleader. She was the cool, popular kid dating the senior star quarterback, Rodney McCoy. And they were, you know, the typical power couple of high school here in Texas. If you are not from here or haven't heard about it, football rules this state. Uh, We are like very active, not only in high school. So like when I was in high school, all of us were enthralled with football, but also the community. You know, every single person lives and breathes football around here. So for it being the senior star quarterback and the junior cheerleader, they were the popular kids, like everybody wanted to be them. And like most kids in high school, they would go to the school dances. Now on February 17th, 1974 was the Valentine's dance, which was Love is a Kaleidoscope theme. Which, if that does not scream the 70s era, I don't know what does. But uh, Rodney got off work that day. He got dressed and headed to Carla's house in his mom's Ford LTD. And they went to the dance and had a great time. Now, after the dance, they met up with another couple and they went cruising. Now, at about 12.30 in the morning, the other couple was dropped off while Carla and Rodney continued to cruise. While they were cruising, Carla did have to go to the bathroom. So they stopped at a close-by bowling alley. And, I mean, one thing led to another. And they started to make out and do what teenagers do. They just had a beautiful Valentine's Day dance. Rodney had gave her a promise ring months earlier. Life was perfect at that moment. While making out, she did lay her head on the armrest and she actually used her purse as a pillow. When all of a sudden the passenger door swung open and there was a stranger standing there. Now, this strange man began hitting Rodney with the butt of the pistol and clicked the gun about three to four times. And when I mean clicked, I mean like actually pulled the trigger three or four times, but nothing happened. 
It was at this point that the man started to pull Carla out of the car while still pounding Rodney with the butt of the pistol. Carla was freaking out and trying to help Rodney while also trying to struggle against the stranger to where she finally screamed, stop hitting him, I will go with you. Now, later on, Rodney would say that he never saw the man's face and Carla also didn't seem to really know this man either. So at this point, the stranger is pulling Carla away. Rodney tried to hold himself up, but he just really couldn't. And he didn't really say anything because he was just in shock. He was trying to wipe blood out of his eyes. I mean, he just got wailed on with this pistol. And he could only hear Carla screaming, go get my dad. And that was actually the last words that he heard come from her. And it was at this point that Rodney did black out. So while all of this is going on, Carla's mom and dad was actually playing dominoes while her siblings were watching TV. And at some point, they heard a car starting to drive up and Rodney got out screaming, yelling for help, bleeding. And I mean, of course, this was just absolutely heartbreaking to hear this and to see Rodney. He had grown close to the family, so to see him just all bloodied up and, you know, frantically telling him what had happened, I mean, this family was just in shock. Now, of course, they immediately called the cops. Uh, Mr. Walker jumped in the car and went to the bowling alley to try to see if he could see anything, if Carla was there. I mean, you know, he tried everything, as a protective father would. Meanwhile, Rodney stayed with the family the whole time. He was just more worried about getting Carla back. He did go to the hospital and was released. He was okay. Other than obviously severely beaten, like he was okay. He was more worried about Carla. He wanted to, you know, help as much as possible. But like I said, he stated that he did not see the man and he didn't seem to be familiar and Carla didn't seem to know him, so there wasn't really much he could do. So it ended up actually being four days later when a police officer spotted something in the culvert southwest of town. And unfortunately, what he spotted was a body, and after identifying, it would be Carla Walker. Now, upon examining her, they did find deep gashes on her thighs and legs, and the cause of death appeared to be strangulation, and she was also sexually assaulted. Now, this culvert was actually nine miles from where she was taken, so not far at all. And here's where I want to take a moment and stop and say the Fort Worth police did the absolute best work possible with this crime and it is because of them and their carefulness that this case was able to be solved so what they did is they took so much care in preserving the evidence you know most of these cold cases you hear that the crime scene was just so contaminated and that they couldn't really find much because of the care not being given to the crime scenes because back in the day they didn't have, you know, like the yellow tape restrictions and stuff like that. Like you could just walk up to the crime scene as a reporter or, you know, as an outside source. And so most of the time people would just walk all over the crime scenes and that evidence would be lost or would be muddied up. The Fort Worth police uh, during this crime 
took so much care in preserving the evidence that luckily it was able to be solved. Now, they didn't know at the time how this would be solved, but they knew that something here would solve it. So, you know, they took to the utmost highest detail of making sure not to contaminate anything. They tried their absolute best. And again, DNA was not a thing back then. And they had one of the most advanced crime labs in Texas at the time, and DNA was not a thing. Like, there was no such DNA, no such kind of science available at that time, and especially widespread. At that time, it was just non-existent. Now, as far as Carla, she did have a funeral, and it was standing room only. Everybody went to this funeral. The whole town was just devastated by this. She was a very friendly, well-loved girl, and it was a huge loss. Like, you know, you always hear the thing of, it'll never happen here or never to us, And the fact that this had happened just scared everybody. They didn't know, was this the start of a serial killer? Had the person still been among them? Or they just, they had nothing. They were purely speculation. And just to hear of, you know, this young girl passing, it just, it rocked the whole community. And so everybody wanted to be at that funeral. And again, thanks to those officers, they actually took pictures during the funeral and their mindset was that they wanted to look at those pictures in case it helped out because you never know who would attend the funeral including the possible murderer but again this just completely rocked the whole community nobody wanted to cruise some of her friends said you know what i don't even want to live here anymore like it just shook the entire community to its core and as far as trying to figure out who exactly could have possibly done this. I mean, you always hear the very cliche of it's always the spouse. And of course, she wasn't married at the time, but she did have a significant other, Rodney. And when they started to question him, and they questioned him quite a lot throughout the years, you know, he would always say, I didn't know the man. The gun clicked about three or four times, but it didn't kill me. And, you know, he was just hitting me. And it just, some of the interviews that he did made the police seem to question him more. So he wasn't exactly, like, the number one lead suspect. But they also couldn't take him out of the suspect pool either. And they actually did a very unconventional way of trying to get information out of him and that would be through hypnosis and that probably sounds completely bizarre especially in our you know more scientific day and age of police forensics however again this was back in the time when there was no dna they didn't have surveillance videos on every corner of every business i mean there was nothing so they only had what rodney could tell them And again, he was beaten and he was just in such a panic at the time that he just couldn't remember anything. And again, he did black out that evening. So he just could not remember anything. So they figured, let's try hypnosis. Maybe we can get a little bit more information out of Rodney through this way. It actually turned out that under hypnosis, uh, Rodney did describe a man and what he kind of looked like, his clothes he was wearing, and the accent. So this kind of helped the police out a little bit. You know, they started to look into the rodeo that had happened that same, you know, January, February months. They looked into different people uh, that might have had the gun that 
was described by Rodney. So it ended up being a Ruger. So they, you know, had a list of people that had bought it and they had people come in and take polygraph tests. Again, those aren't admissible in court nowadays, but this was back when they didn't have the science that we do today. So polygraphs, hypnosis, that was, it was unconventional, the hypnosis, but you know, it still kind of helped. See what I'm saying? So it was a point where they were like, well, we'll try anything just to get information to solve this case. And as I stated, Rodney was questioned a lot as a suspect, but they just didn't have anything to tie him to, you know, the actual murder of Carla and the family believed Rodney. They felt that he just was not the one that did this. And eventually, like all cases, it did go cold. The leads stopped coming in. They just had nothing new to go on. And it quickly turned into a cold case. Now we're going to fast forward a little bit to 2016. Now, one of my fellow podcasters, Vincent Strange of Gone Cold Podcast here in Texas, was absolutely obsessed with this case. And he ended up finding some more evidence that kind of brought it back to life. And you always hear that, you know, fresh eyes usually is the key in any of these cases. You know, they start to hit a dead end, but then they get a fresh new set of eyes to look into it. And usually that's when those new people say, hey, I happen to notice this. And then, you know, it just reignites the flames. So Vincent looked into this case thoroughly. He talked to people. He tried everything he could to help figure this case out. So a shout out to Gone Cold Podcast. I have the pleasure of calling them one of my friends. They're a great group. And I definitely recommend you checking out their podcast, by the way. But luckily he was able to kind of bring up another name that they had not heard of and hadn't looked into. So again, they got into more suspects and that just kind of reignited the case. And again, this is reigniting the case on the police force side because obviously the family, it never left them. They never forgot about this every single day, including Rodney. Every single day they thought about Carla. They thought about who did this. How can we find this person? They were just wanting it to be solved. So it wasn't a cold case to them. It was like a everyday nightmare that they didn't have answers. Because of Vincent and the Gone Cold podcast, there were new suspects that were questioned. There was even a man who did admit to the crime, but then later recanted. And it turns out he made it all up. Why somebody would lie and said that they did something that they didn't, I'll never know. But unfortunately, that ended up not being the actual person who did this. And again, Rodney was still being questioned, still being kind of looked at. Because they didn't have really anywhere else to turn, per se. He wasn't the main suspect, but he also was never completely 100% cleared of it as well. So they thought if he didn't do it himself, like solely by himself, then maybe he might have helped somebody. So they questioned him throughout the years. Anytime that they looked at this, they questioned him. Again, not only because they thought, well, maybe he had something to do with it but because he was the only eyewitness that they have at that scene. And I mean, you've got to imagine Rodney felt incredibly guilty. 
first you have the survivor's guilt, but not only that, I mean, this was his high school sweetheart. You know, it's just so sad that throughout all of this, he's had to deal with not only the guilt of surviving, but the guilt of, you know, not being able to do more. And then on top of that, still getting questioned by the police. I mean, Rodney had went through a ringer. I'll I'll just say it that way. Like, he went through a lot. But because of the guilt and everything else, Rodney wanted to put an end to it. Mainly because he wanted to know what happened to Carla. That was his main concern, is what happened to Carla. We need to find justice for Carla. So they started to relook at some old cold case files and Carla's was one that was brought up and because again now we're getting into the more recent times and now that we do have DNA readily available and stuff so they started to relook into all the evidence they actually found an unknown male partial DNA now this partial DNA would end up eliminating more people from the suspect list it eliminated Rodney because obviously it was not his. And again, while looking at the evidence, they actually did find a full DNA profile on her bra strap. So they ran that through some genealogy. We've talked about it time and time again, where the genealogy actually helps the police because of those websites now that we can start eliminating people. But for this one, it yielded nothing. Until September 2020. The DNA was actually sent to a company called Othram Inc. and it would later identify a 77-year-old Glenn Samuel McCurley as the suspect to this crime. And the way that they connect it was by actually getting a piece of garbage from the trash can outside of his home. Now, they did go and talk to Glenn, and one of the things that the police did say is, hey, we're looking into this cold case. We just want to know where you were, what was happening during that time, because you lived in the area. And it wasn't so much to say, hey, you're a suspect, but it's more of we're just trying to rule you out. I mean, that's just the way that the police went about it to see if they could get him to give DNA. And it was actually pretty funny. So what happened was he said, well, I've already given DNA and they did that a long time ago. So you already have my DNA. I don't know why I need to give it to you again. Like, I understand that you're trying to just clear my name and rule me out, but like I already gave it. And his wife actually sold him out and stated, no, that couldn't possibly have happened because DNA wasn't even a thing back then. So they never asked you for DNA. Which is both funny, but it's like she didn't know at the time that she was helping the police or catching her husband in a lie because he actually did it. She was just stating an obvious fact like, hey, back in that time in the 70s, there was no DNA. So how possibly could they have ever asked you for DNA? Like the police had talked to him because he was one of the people that bought the same gun that was used in the crime. But because polygraph... He passed it. They didn't ever look at him again. So I guess unreluctantly, but voluntarily, he did give up a DNA sample. And that sample would later match the sample that was found on Carla and her possessions. Enough to where they would arrest and charge him of the crime. So 
on September 21, 2020, Glenn Samuel McCurley was arrested for the murder of Carla Jan Walker in 1974. He went on trial in August 2021. However, before the jury reached a verdict, McCurley changed his plea to guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. Now, there is a Dateline special on the Carla Walker case, as well as, again, Gone Cold Podcast also did a episode about this case that I definitely recommend you go watch that special on Dateline and listen to Vincent's episode on this case. I, however, am going to leave it right here. I don't want to give too much or too little. Uh, this one was really hard for me to struggle because there was just so much that was going on with this case. And, I mean, you will just get enthralled with it. But I don't want to take away from the Dateline episode. I don't want to take away from Vince. Go watch that Dateline special. Go listen to Vincent Strange on Gone Cold Podcast. Listen to those. They have interviews from those that were affected by this and they're both just amazing to listen to. I just, I like scratch the surface on this case, but there's so much more going on and you will be completely enthralled by this case. But I just wanted to kind of scratch the surface, give you just a little tidbit because I do want you to go and watch that, listen to him, you know, just look into this. Thankfully, this is one of the cold cases that was solved. However, there are so many more cold cases out there. And hopefully, either through podcasts or sharing on Facebook, just the different outlets that we have these days, and hopefully with the new science advances that we have in the forensic field, that we can start solving more and more of these cold cases and finally bringing these families some justice. But that'll be it for me. If you can do only one thing, always remember to listen closely.